I'm getting to do two episodes. I'm so excited. joined today by Mr. Christian Van Bremen. You were our official number one first fan. <laughs> I'll seriously, like your podcast brings me immense amounts of joy. I holler with laughter every episode. Holler. Like if I were on a subway, people would probably like look at me like I was a psycho. That's how hard I laugh when I'm listening <laughs> to your podcast. But I, I love your show so much and you guys are killing it. And I'm just so oh. honored that I get to be a part of it. And also just to get to be on a show with two of my oldest, bestest friends in the whole world. Like this is so magic. This is like so wonderful. So thank you. Oh, Christian, oh. don't even. This is feeling really good right now. I know. <laughs> I like fast in love. Fast so, as a stylist, what what's kind of like your proudest moment? I hate the question. Like, have you ever done anyone famous? But at the same time, have you done anyone famous? <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I have, and you, you know, there's a lot of um, you know, there's like people that like to claim or like to use the title of celebrity hairstylist, and I have done celebrities. I mean, when you grow up in LA, you're surrounded by celebrities. And then when you start working in a salon in LA, you're going to start doing celebrities. And, and then also working for um, the company I work for and, and all of that, I've gotten introduced and gotten to work with a lot of celebrities, but I don't like to talk about who they are. But I'll say this, I'll say that I have been in the homes of people who I really admire and get to have really amazing conversations with. And there are moments where I have to pinch myself and say, I can't believe that I'm getting to do this right now. And then also, you know, I've done fashion week now for, let's see, my last season was February of 2020. That was the last time I did it. That was my 22nd season of working at fashion week. So yeah. So I've gotten to do, I've been on a lot of shows and met a lot of people and done hair on a lot of people of interest in <laughs> um, the fashion world. And that's been amazing. So in addition to being a very successful stylist, you've got a robust music career. It's still, it's still in the building phases. I, I would say it's robustly building uh, <laughs> and building toward an even more robust future. I started DJing about two and a half, three years ago and started producing music. I started renting studio space and teaching myself how to produce music on my own. So I've got a couple of tracks up on SoundCloud, more to come very soon, but also I, you know, I've started putting some of my DJ mixes up on SoundCloud as well. So and it's under uh, Mr. Christian on SoundCloud. So it's Mr. spelled out and then C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-A-N. And so before we get started, once again, I'm just going to reiterate before we start this special episode, we have known Christian since we were in short pants. We still refer to him by his shortened name of Chris and occasionally 
Christian because we're lazy um, and we've <laughs> known him forever. And that's always how we've referred to him. So we're going to do our best because Christian has embraced the Dutch pronunciation of his name. And that is how he is known out in the world. Again, do not get it twisted. Anyone that meets this fabulous creature out on the streets, you are not to call him Chris or Christian. Christian. <laughs> Only two people. Yes. Two people in the world have the permission to call me Chris, and that is you two. In fact, a couple of days ago, I went to a bagel place and placed an order, and he was like, "What's your name?" I said, "Christian." He was like, "Do you mind if I just call you Chris?" And I said, "No, call me Christian." (laughs) Like, no, don't call me Chris. That's not my name. Only two people get to call me that. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. are they. You are the two who get to call I'm me gonna Chris. I'm going to work it. I'm going to work it, Christian. It's a, no, I say work the privilege of getting to call me Chris. No one else <laughs> in the world can. Yeah. So with that, we are joined once again, blessed and favored to be joined by our dearest, oldest, bestest friend, Christian Van Bremen, here to do a Eating After Midnight special on the epic epically wonderful and quirky film vibes and to discuss what was the thing that was going on between Cindy Lauper and Madonna what was this weird battle of the pop princesses that was going on and how did that all play out let's discuss mm. can I go music because I have so. a, my my I have a quick theory for you to either, you know, shoot up or shoot down. So I loved both. She's So Unusual was one of my favorite albums, just as much as Like a Virgin, where, you know, those two albums, they were both on my routine, didn't choose between. However, what I believe is Cyndi Lauper was set up to be the voice of the generation. And she had the song, which was really the song for young girls, which is Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Like that is the 1980s anthem for young girls. However, the trouble that happened is that Madonna swooped in and Madonna just, what we've been saying in both of our podcasts before this, she is a force of nature and she just, she was a phenomenon and she kind of just, boop, kicked poor Cindy Lauper out of the position. And it, I liken it to the same thing that happened to Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen was set up to be the voice of the generation in, you know, the 60s. He had all the goods to make that happen. He was the poet who was also a musician. But then fucking Bob Dylan showed up and job, Bob Dylan just went boop and he became the voice of the generation. I think the same thing happened here with Madonna and Cyndi Lauper. So I'm gonna go ahead and say, I don't think quite exactly the same thing happened because in truth, Madonna was on the scene before Cyndi Lauper. I think what happened, in fact, what I feel like I know deep in my soul is what happened is that as much as Cyndi Lauper is an artist, is as much times 10, Madonna is fucking avaricious and business savvy. And Cindy Lauper showed up after Madonna. And if we look at the stats, Cindy Lauper got a Grammy for best new female artist. And mm. Madonna didn't catch a Grammy until 1999. I think Cindy Lauper came up and stole some steam from Madonna. And she was like, 
Oh, no, you don't, you little punky princess. I'm fucking coming for you. Because if you look at them, just visually, right? Madonna has her look, but Cyndi Lauper is a different thing. Cyndi Lauper truly is so unusual. She is shoeless for fuck's sake on her album cover. Shoeless and free as the day she was born. And I think that for Cyndi Lauper, it was more important to her to be an artist than to be recognized. I think she had zero interest in sexual titillation and being in any way um, controversial. Whereas Madonna mm -hmm. just wanted to keep pushing that envelope and keep pushing herself to be bigger and bigger and bigger. There was also another uh, major factor in this where Madonna dropped album after album. She, I mean, she was not going to let her wave crest. She was going to make sure that that thing just kept going on that upward trajectory. Cindy Lauper took healthy, big, long artist-like breaks in between mm -hmm. albums. So while she was recharging and doing what an artist does, Madonna was busy building up the juggernaut that was Madonna. It's true. When you look at what Madonna accomplished between 1983 and 1990, it's dizzying to look at her accomplishments. She had multiple albums. She was doing music videos, multiple music videos for each album. She did all of these movies. She went on Two, three between 85 and 90 she did like a virgin who's that girl and the blonde ambition tour which is like the concert tour that changed you know live music history she did so much in such a short period of time that uh, that drive that uh, you know not to mention like the movies that she made and all the tv you know appearances that she had to make and having a troubled marriage to Sean Penn, like she had her hands full. She was working hard and she was super busy during that entire time. Um, Cindy Lauper did, to your point, she took a nice amount of time between projects and a little known or a little talked about fact about Cindy Lauper is that uh, she took a very long break from music to manage wrestlers in the WWF. Oh my God. So I just saw a picture of Cindy Lauper with like Hulk Hogan and I guess a bunch of other wrestlers. And I had no idea mm -hmm. what that was. What are you talking about? Why did she, what? She just was, she was just having fun. Girls just want to have, have fun. Cindy Lauper just wanted to have a good time. And she got really into professional wrestling for some reason and decided that she wanted to just like, get into that and manage people and and be involved in the WWF world as opposed to the pop world, which I think yeah. is so wonderful. Yeah. And I think so, like, the thing that I love about Cyndi Lauper is she is, like you said, Sasha, she's such an artist. She's also a person that just really listens to herself and just goes with what she feels like doing in the moment. I also imagine being, going from obscurity to being as famous as both those women were in the 80s had to have been a total mind fuck on so mm -hmm. many levels. And um, perhaps she just knew it was better for her, for her mental health and her creative self to take a step away from it for a while. Whereas Madonna was just, she was driven. And, you know, it's, it's also interesting. I think about, you know, this concept of, or the, the, the conversation around Madonna versus Cindy, Madonna versus Cindy. And I think that that 
conversation is very rarely had about male artists. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, oh, here's a woman who is chart a chart topper who is getting a lot of attention. There can't be room for more than just one in this club, you know? So I think the media really kind of like played into this misogynistic game of like pitting women up against each other and making them competitive and who's going to take the other one down. Whereas like people weren't like, so are you into Prince or are you into Michael Jackson? You could be into both of those men. The same thing happened. Like remember Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, there was like this, are you team Debbie or are you team Tiffany? And that's just like this weird thing that happens in our culture. Yeah. Can I, can I just say though, in the Madonna versus Cindy Lauper, no one wins in my book. It's just two very different things. Uh, but Michael Jackson versus Prince, it's Prince. And Debbie Gibson <laughs> versus Tiffany, it's Debbie Gibson. I'm just throwing it out there just so we have it clear. Thank Tiffany you. Had I... One song, right? Mm-hmm. She tried to have more, but it just didn't work out for her. But I, I, I'm glad that we're in the same camps. Thank you. If we look at their careers, if I were to like jump to the end of this episode and say on a transatlantic flight, who would I rather have as a seatmate? And this will probably be up for hot debate. I would probably select Cindy Lauper because she's had a more varied career where, where Madonna has had this singular pop focus. And that's not to say she didn't do film and she didn't do other things. I mean, Cindy Lauper has a Grammy. She has an Emmy for her TV work and she has a Tony for her work on Broadway. She has a thriving nonprofit organization. She had a stint in WWF. I mean, she's she's a really interesting human being. And I actually find people who step away from the limelight who are able to have that restraint and that ability to say, this isn't good for my mental or my spiritual to be in this game a lot more interesting than those who are willing to fight tooth and nail to stay in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, agreed. It's funny because earlier today I was repotting my houseplants and I thought, okay, we're gonna be having this conversation. So I'm going to listen to um, She's So Unusual and Like a Virgin back to back and just get a sense of what was going on with their sound at the time. And it's interesting because Cindy Lauper when you open, when you pull out the record and look at it, it's larger than life, bright, super technicolor. Her music is loud um, and fun and super upbeat. Um, And then you get the Madonna record, which came out the same year and it's shot by Steven Meisel and it's sensual and the music itself, like the sound is so different. She was so smart to partner with Nile Rodgers to produce that album because he helped create this really slinky, sensual sound. Whereas, so like, I think of Molly Ringwald in Breakfast Club's dance, right? That Molly Ringwald dance that she does in Breakfast Club. That's the dance you would do to She's So Unusual. If you listen to Like a Virgin, it's more about like rolling around on the floor with a satin sheet. You know, it's like very, the energy is so different the way that they presented was so different. Madonna was definitely more enigmatic and and all about empowering women to own their sexuality and all of that. Whereas Cindy Lauper, if you want to have a good time, go into a, a YouTube wormhole and just watch Cindy Lauper do um, <laughs> talk show appearances with like Johnny Carson and David Letterman in the 80s. Yeah. And she's like, she's almost like, 
she whereas Madonna is more like enigmatic and like all about like sexuality Cindy Lauper is kind of like a cartoon character and she's pure personality than yeah pure personality and I think that in that the enigmatic quality that Madonna had drew people in but also like you said earlier um Sasha Madonna was Madonna knew that there were topics that were not discussed in our culture that needed to be discussed. And she was like, I'm gonna use pop music as a medium to get people talking about this stuff. Whereas Cindy Lauper was like, she didn't have necessarily a mission. She just wanted to make music and have a good time and be an amazing singer. So I think that they, they just had different intentions with their careers and the, and the public responded to, to both of them in such different ways. Um, and people yeah. are still and uh, drawn in and and curious about Madonna. Yeah, you know, almost forty years later. Yeah, to the point where like we're having this conversation now. If you sit down and objectively really look at these two different bodies of work and these two different artists, you can see how this um, how this competition, this this princess battle, was manufactured by mm -hmm. record labels and manufactured by advertisers because there is no comparison truly between the two other than they both just happen to be white women that made music at the same time. Mm -hmm. There is no, they are standalone artists, standalone sounds, standalone everything. And it's really unfortunate that that had to be done to them because we didn't need that and they didn't need that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that's kind of the nature of entertainment. Many are called, few are chosen. And once you are chosen, you got to be willing to stay in, on that scene and stay in that battle. And Madonna just had the stronger constitution for what it took to stay in that arena. Like when we first started this conversation, it was like, well, was Madonna trying to ape Cindy Lauper? Was Cindy Lauper trying to mimic Madonna? Or were they all trying to mimic Dale Bozio? Which I, I kind of tend to think that's, that's really the truest thing. But if you look at their personalities down the line, the softest of all of them is Dale Bozio, who had zero interest in anything having to do with like cutthroat entertainment shit. And as you travel up that line, we know who's going to win that SmackDown and it will be Madonna every single time to mm -hmm, today mm -hmm. get her against anyone and she will fucking win jugular mm -hmm. hanging from the teeth because we spent a lot of time on madonna just to give cindy lopper a little bit more love do we have any favorite songs that we want to mention right now oh all of them well, her cover <laughs> of prince's when you were mine is one of my favorite songs of all oh time. my god it's so, it's so good it's so good it's so good I love that one, definitely. Uh, Sasha mentioned this one. I'm going to steal it right out from under her. She Bop. She Bop's mm. a cool song. It's about masturbation. It's about girls masturbating. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, she went for some titillation there, but it was like, it wasn't as, as extreme as, you know, like a virgin. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, say it. But She Bop is, is the bop. Yes. Well, that's actually that's actually a really interesting point because I was listening as I was mentioning I listened to these albums back to back both of their albums start off with a song that has a similar theme Cindy Lauper's album starts out with the song money changes everything and Madonna's oh. album starts out with material girl Man Madonna has like a virgin and Cindy Lauper has she bop and it's just so interesting that they were both exploring kind of poking fun at the excess and the uh, entitlement of 
America's consciousness at that time, but they also were not afraid to express female sexuality in a, in a really positive way. Um, it's just so interesting. They both shared very similar messages, but in very different packaging. True. Speaking of different packaging, where films are concerned, I just, I just would like to have it once on the recording for Amy to tell me <laughs> that I was right. Vibes is a superior <laughs> film to Who's That Girl? I'm waiting. Okay, I mean, it has to have a preamble because I can't just <laughs> say it, it will get caught in my throat. You know, we have to, it has to come out through honey. Um, so <laughs> I remember watching this movie, Vibes. I remember seeing it when it came out in 1987 and I remember thinking it was awful. I do. I actually remember going like, it was, what did you fucking say, Christian Pitch Perfect earlier? When you go see a movie as a child and you think it's horrible, like that's really saying something. I thought this movie <laughs> was terrible. So when I, when, when it was brought up that we were going to watch it, I was like, no, no, it's going to be shit. This will be funny. But I watched it and I fucking loved it. And it is superior to Who's That Girl? Sasha, you were right. It is a superior the, the, film. The, the, the expression of ecstasy on Sasha's face, <laughs> I wish that everyone could see it. It's really wonderful. Well, you know what's crazy about it? Okay, just, just talking about just straight up like production values, like Jeff Goldblum's in this movie, but not only Jeff Goldblum, Julian Sands is in it, Peter, Peter Falk. Falk. Elizabeth Pina, Steve fucking Buscemi's in this movie. The composer is James Horner. Like there's actually quality people involved in the making of this film. I just remember thinking it was horrible when I was growing up, but it absolutely was not. I can tell you that I fell in love with this movie 15 minutes in because of one thing that happened. And it is the scene where uh, Jeff Goldblum is leaving the, the Psychic Institute and Julian Sands is trying to, to stop him and he's, they're talking outside of the cab and they start touching each other's hands <laughs> and they just go one over the other, over the other, over the other, and there is no reason for it. And the second I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, this film is phenomenal. Uh -huh. <laughs> there is some really good physical comedy in this movie and really good just general comedy writing like there are moments where I was laughing out loud by myself which I don't really do that often if I watch a movie with other people I'll be more apt to laugh aloud but if I'm sitting by myself I rarely do and I laughed aloud a lot of times during this movie it is it's not perfect oh no god no I mean it's look if we're gonna be real it's 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 garbage but it's good garbage and it's good garbage from the moment from the first note of that pan flute i am in and i remember that i i think i i don't know i i must have watched this movie a hundred fucking times because when i went back to watch it like your experience of desperately seeking susan when you're like i i could lip sync this movie i could lip sync vibes so i'm not sure why or how i have come to see this movie so many times but i think i've always loved it and always loved knowing that it wasn't really that good but cindy lopper is so a 
adorable. She's she so is. adorable. Even, and she's such a bad actress, but she's so adorably bad through the whole thing. And my favorite, favorite moment of Cindy Lauper just being an adorably not good actress is when they land in Ecuador. And first of all, we get that amazing shot of Peter Falk and his like cocked to the side hat, super swagged out in his white linen suit waiting for them to deplane. And she comes off the plane. You sent me that clip and I loved it. I was like, yes. And she's like, buenos dias. And they walk <laughs> down to the tarmac and all three of them are walking towards the cameras, tracking them, walking away from the plane. And Peter Falk and Jeff Goldblum are talking and she, her arms are bouncing like Kermit when he runs. She's got these like bouncing Muppet arms and her eyes are just darting everywhere. She's like a shopping bag in the wind. She's just, she's just floating around in space. And then all Peter Falk just like kind of spies her out of his one good eye and like grabs her arm and is like, come child, we're acting now, join us. And like <laughs> brings her back into the scene. I love it. She is just so good. It's so good. There's so much ridiculousness and so many corners of why you know like in who's that girl but i don't care about them here because it's so much better it's you so, know, like like why why are they doing the argentinian tango in ecuador and why do they know how right tango is not a dance you just pick up it's just it's the movie's pure camp absolute pure camp in and i think it's you know if we think about who's that girl um where they were really trying to do this 1940s uh, madcap comedy with lots of different things happening all at once. Vibes is the same way. It has a 1940s uh, madcap comedy feel to it. The, the, the thing that works with Vibes is the timing is so much better. Mm -hmm. and, the, and like you're more, because the comedic timing is really spot on for the most part, you, you just kind of accept things like the moment where they're having that dance. It's just camp and you just enjoy it and it's funny and it's stupid and that's the point. And I do have to disagree with you a little bit on Cindy Lauper not being a good actress because being a good comedian is really difficult and she has so many good lines in this film and her comedic timing is so great. And I think that part of what makes her so great is that she's not a polished actress and we know that she it's almost like we are more as the viewer more willing to just go along with it because we know that Cindy Lauper is like a rookie at the game too and so we're mm -hmm. just rooting for her all throughout the film and she just she nails it so many oh, times oh yeah oh yeah absolutely rooting for her the entire time and there are a lot of really really well timed jokes not just actually with Cindy Lauper but with Jeff Goldblum which is not surprising right but there's a moment towards the end when they're like up there and Harry dies and then um Ingo it's Ingo right that's what they call him because my my voice to text put him down as Igbo and I'm pretty sure that's not it it's Ingo Ingo <laughs> fires the gun and he's like remember me and like Jeff Goldblum's response is you bet and like, I howl, it's so funny. It's just like, if that's the fucking thing you would say right there, but the timing of it is so spot on and so perfect, it's great. Jeff Goldblum has comic gold through this whole thing. Now, mind you, Jeff Goldblum was like an amazing actor of the 1980s because not only did he do this movie, but he did Transylvania 65,000 and oh Earth Girls God. Are Easy. So I don't know why he doesn't have an Oscar 
the fact that when he goes to South America, he brings his own water, right? Ha ha, there's the joke. But later, yeah. when they are in the bar, she's sipping on a cocktail and he is sipping on a gigantic <laughs> jug of water that they have put a little umbrella in. It's better than that. Yeah, he's my he is my germaphobe spirit animal animal right there. I'm so into it. I'm just like, oh my god, this is fucking hilarious, fucking hilarious. I also love just in the true more Cindy Lauper vein of self love and self acceptance is the stuff that's going on around their relationship. Like when she's getting dressed and he says to her, you know, um, do you do you have any dresses that come above mid bosom? Do you think there's anything that people would want for you? want from you more than your body and she's like no and he responds with nice self-image there's just a very different tone set here in terms of how women are related to that's that i think has more to do with cindy lopper than it doesn't i mean i this kind of teetered on what christian said i actually don't think she's that bad of an actress like i think she's pretty good because she's not faking anything she is like that character and what i like about her that you don't get from madonna's is that there's this great vulnerability when Steve Buscemi is the worst boyfriend that Aww. ever existed and she walks away. It's like your heart breaks, you know, like, and, because she, oh, she is this yeah, character. Is awful when she's like, no hot feelings, awful. no feelings, no feelings at all. Oh my mm. God. And even, and I would say at the end when she like loses Louise, there is some kind of acting there that you actually, I was like, yeah, okay, Cindy, you brought it. Like I'm feeling, I'm I mean, feeling it. Cindy, I was Cindy was Cindy. She did really good at being Cindy. I'm not, I, I'm not going to say that she was bad in the movie. I'm not going to say she was a great actress. We didn't see her in much afterwards. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, <laughs> oh no, she did get an Emmy for Mad About You. That's true. So later on, later on. Well, I do think um, actually that moment where she, realizes that her spirit guide is no longer with her she's so authentic and like i actually i'm not gonna lie guys i got a little class when i watched no you did <laughs> i did i was like her spirit guide is gone and i just like totally bought into it i don't know why i really did i felt i had feelings at that moment and i i felt for her but the other thing that i think is interesting about her performance is like you were saying actually i think both of you said it that she's just being cindy lopper now here's the interesting thing if we're to like break down cindy lopper um and her you know the way that she presents especially in this movie she's got the kind of high-pitched new york accent she's um kind of like got this cute lovable ditziness about her that is totally that she owns and we know that it's kind of like a performance but we accept that and because it's her, it totally works. But here's the interesting thing. It's almost like Madonna in Who's That Girl was trying to mimic the magic that Cindy Lauper just has innately with her performance mm -hmm. in Who's That Girl. Yeah. But, well but, I, but I think it's akin to the fact that in Desperately Seeking Susan, Madonna is just so effortless. In this, mm -hmm. Cindy Lauper is pretty effortless. Um, mm -hmm. But I think she, I think I, though there's the, I guess the big difference is that in the Madonna movies, it's like, ooh, who's that girl? And, oh, Madonna, you know, she's irresistible. I, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't help myself. Whereas 
in this movie, everyone treats her like a freak, like everyone treats Sylvia like a freak. So it's kind of like, even though she's Cindy Lauper, she is playing a role of somebody who is not kind of accepted by the world. She speaks to a person that isn't there. She dresses funny, you know, men don't really respond to her. It's, it's, it's very different. I just found it really endearing. I just found it really, really like I, my heart was right there with her. And I love the song. There's a hole in my heart that goes all the way to China. Like I fucking love it. The video is uncool on very many levels, but like the song is really kind of rocking. It's a great song. I did watch the music video today for the first time and was appalled at how it has not aged well and i, I don't encourage this. anyone to watch that. i feel like i haven't seen this i'm gonna mute my phone and, and pull this up oh okay well oh, hey, oh, this oh, is oh, gonna oh. be like a sub a sub podcast moment of us breaking down how wrong that music video is yeah, um yeah, yeah you don't you don't need to get in more than like 30 seconds before you know this video is wrong yeah. anyhow i do and love that song the song's amazing I, it is on my list of like great songs from movies the thing about Cindy Lauper in this in this oh, role. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> I'm done at the thumbnail. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, it's no bad. way. It's bad. It's no bad. fucking. All right, bad. everyone, okay, we and we'll just let you written. know. It's just super, super stereotypical racist. Holy Nikes! Are you kidding me? Okay, now I now I remember seeing this as a kid. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Like this any is negative as fuck. Oh my it is god. So racist. Such a racist video. Yeah. Really I'm just I'm 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 doing the the triple taps to to get through this now. Oh lord. Oh. Yeah. Oh no, now there it's a laundromat. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Did they put slanted eyed makeup on her? <gasps> Y'all, this is this is the hottest mess. It's dark. It's dark. Such a good it's a, it's a It's a misstep in Cindy Lauper's career. Every 20 um, seconds, sure. it gets worse. Every 20 seconds, it gets way worse. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. All right, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. I think Who's That Girl had that com comedic timing, but I feel like Madonna fucked up every single joke that was thrown her way, whereas Cindy Lauper does not fuck up the jokes that are sent her way at all and it's sad because i read that that jeff goldblum and her they didn't enjoy working together on this film i, I feel like you could kind of read that actually between them in the performance you can you definitely can feel that it's not as hot as you would like it for it to be considering that they're meant to be um falling in love with each other by the end of the film oh, yeah. um just <laughs> as in the side that blue dress at the end of the film oh thank Killer. you Killer. Oh my god. I, I mean, just love that she's sitting and eating french fries, french fries, soggy ass french fries in her hotel room wearing that blue dress. Such a good visual. I love it. Yeah, there are so she brought so many shoes with her to Ecuador, but I'm so glad that she <laughs> did bring that pair of gold heels that she could wear for the tango scene because those things were vicious as well. Oh my god, there was a lot, a lot of really good fashion choices by, by yeah. Cindy Lauper there. I would say the fashion in vibes is better than the fashion in who's that girl like that blue dress is above and beyond than the white dress 
oh oh and the that that like what is that what is that called that that like oil slick it was very popular in the 80s that thing where you would like put pigment in water and then like put a piece of paper underneath it and pull it out and then whatever you got you got that dress that she's wearing at the racetrack with steve buscemi oh my fucking god it's not tie-dye but it's like tie-dye something like that yeah my favorite dress is the dress that she wears at the museum when she comes to visit him at the museum. Ooh, it's like this leopard print so dress good. open back, but like this, there's something about the sleeves are really square. Yeah. Almost like capped sleeves, but not. It's like, it, yeah. Oh, it's like a boat neck. It's like a boat neck and, and it's like a boat neck collar line, but a dolman sleeve almost, but sleeve less because mm-hmm. it looks like the arm side like goes down far down the torso. It's really good. And I love mm-hmm. that whole heart to heart that they have in the elephant exhibit. Yeah. The trials and tribulations of being a psychic. I I loved it. I kind of think I would love to have a camp fest where I watched both Who's That Girl and this movie and just ate like a lot of popcorn and drank champagne. Like I would do that in a heartbeat and enjoy. Let's do it. I would totally <laughs> you to come? Sasha I, I I know you're out Sasha you'll maybe you'll duck out when who's that girl comes on but I'm with you from start to finish Amy I think okay. it'd be a fantastic night I and I and I'm so glad that I rediscovered this film I, I think that's like the real nice surprise for our our special episode here well I'm just surprised Sasha that I've known you for this long more than half my life and I'm only now finding out that you've watched this movie that many times. I love this movie so much. I watched it a lot when I was late elementary school into junior high age. I watched, I would rent it at the video store a lot, but then it became impossible to find. And, and so I hadn't seen it for, I don't even know, well over 20 plus years. And it was so fun to come back to watch it again I didn't watch it, this today's viewing of it was not my first time watching it in recent history. On New Year's Day of 2020, a group of us got together and just like wore our cozies and just like howled with laughter on the floor. So that was a lot of fun. So I was, I, I knew that it was really great. Funny fact though, is that like, because, you know, once people stopped renting v- VHS and started wanting to rent DVDs, it just became unavailable because it is, it is such an epic box office bomb. The movie, I, today I was looking it up, it cost $18 million to make and worldwide it grossed only $1.8 million total. Yeah, brutal. How can we help? How can we like, <sighs> everyone, literally this movie yeah. is fantastic. Please. It's free. It's free on Prime Video right now here in the States. Please go watch it and upvote. Just keep watching it to upvote this film. That is yeah. crazy. I think that's our that's going to be our philanthropic mission for the next year. Not only do we need to get vibes, you know, like some more attention and more viewership, we also need to get people to start voting in its favor because it also is one of the lowest rated videos or films on Rotten Tomatoes of all time. It's one of That's the so wrong. lowest rated. This is so, so wrong. God, this is yeah. very. I was I was on a high, and now I'm just I'm just wanna. I just wanna fight to change it is this. So good. It's the campiness is is so on point, and I love how sound stagey the city of lost gold is with the fucking giant foam heads. It's so great. It's so great. People, 
you were wrong. You were very wrong okay. about vibes. No, those people were wrong. You people, our listeners are yeah. wonderful, you know, exciting, interesting, smart people who know how to appreciate a good movie. And, and as we're coming, I think, close to the close of this podcast, you not only know how to appreciate a good movie, but you know how to appreciate a good podcast because something we have not mentioned yet is that not only have we closed a full year of Eating After Midnight, but we have also just reached officially 1,000 downloads. So thank you all for your good taste and support there. <laughs> 1,000 downloads. That's really crazy to think that a thousand times people have listened to us talk shit about movies, Amy. It's really wild. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Thank you. I mean, 965 of those might be Christian, but you know. <laughs> Congratulations to you both. Honestly, like that that is such an accomplishment and well deserved. Anyway, anyway. Okay. Between this one and Who's That Girl and Desperately Seeking Susan, because these are all the films we watched this month, I would put Desperately Seeking Susan as the number one film because it is a good, well-made movie as well as a great story and just brilliance, brilliance, brilliance. But Vibes is second. Sasha was right. I said it like four times now, Sasha. And then Who's That Girl to Me is still a worthwhile film. I am sticking to my gun, Sasha. It still is funny. Big cats are awesome. And... Yeah, I'm still into it. Yeah, obviously I, I rank them the exact same way. Desperately Seeking Susan takes the lead, followed by Vibes. Who's that girl? Honorable <laughs> mention. <laughs> <laughs> I also have to agree with this ranking. Desperately Seeking Susan, number one. Vibes, a close second. Well, maybe not that close, but it's a good solid second. And then uh, Who's That Girl? Definitely an icy back of the classroom third. But <laughs> I do think that if I were to choose which film I would watch more than the, any of the others, I think Desperately Seeking Susan, I would definitely watch most. But I think that I would watch Who's That Girl again before I would watch Vibes again. Really? Mostly because, yeah, mostly because it's such a hot mess it's almost really entertaining to watch how bad it is and how mm. I don't know but I also think a lot of that is tied in with nostalgia too like I loved that movie when I was a kid um and so I think I think that I would watch that more often than vibes honestly interesting I actually cannot wait to watch vibes again I mean yeah. anything to hear <laughs> Jeff Goldblum be like okay, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to be nice about it. So you just tell me where you don't want to be shot. <laughs> and he's like, South America. South America. <laughs> yeah, really I, good. And I can't wait till we watch some of his other fantastic performances. Like I said, mm -hmm. Earth Girls Are Easy and Transylvania oh. 5000. <laughs> Earth Girls Are Easy is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie so much. It's so... Well, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. You'll have to come back when we do that one. Which I'm not sure when we're going to do it because we got lots on our list, but it is on our list. This podcast is making the year fly by. That is for sure. As we like try to like figure out lineups and pairings and stuff. And it's like, oh shit, how are we already planning 
October, November, December, like that's super crazy. And running out of time, it's like, fuck, we're not going to have time to do my Highlander fucking Conan mashup this year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of people can support us on Patreon so we can quit our normal jobs and then we just do this and then we can do weekly episodes. That oh, would yeah, awesome. do that. Do, do that, that, everyone. Go to Please Patreon. do that. Absolutely. All right. Well, I mean, we don't usually we don't usually uh, close it out um, yeah. on a on a special episode. We kind of just drop the mic and walk. So I think <laughs> I think that it's it's clear we've eaten all the soup, and now it's time to push ourselves away from the table. As lovely as this evening has been. Good night, you guys. I love you. Good both. night. I, love you too. I don't want it to be over.